Welcome back, Seahawks Nest fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Prince to my Morris Day. That's right, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. No one's going to be able to hear that because you were quieter than the music, the background, <laughs> background music and our Apollonia. That's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? You know what? It hurts that you went Apollonia and not Vanity because <laughs> you guys know, and this this cuts deep. Nathan, you know how much I love Action Jackson. I talk about that almost as much as I talk what about if I Weekend made you, at Bernie's. What if I made you Jamal? You know the guy who holds Morris Day's mirror? Can I can I be the club promoter? In Jamal Purple is Rain? really cool, dude. Jamal's cool. He's like, come on, Jamal. And he, and he holds the mirror. Oh, I know Jamal. This, I want to be the club promoter. That you could be the motorcycle. The motorcycle gets featured in a lot of scenes. Why don't you just purify yourselves in the waters of Lake, Lake Minnetonka? Minnetonka. All right, uh, Seahawks, and Seahawks fans, we're back another week. Uh, we got to watch a team that the Seahawks uh, kicked the shit out of win 38-7 to in the NFC Championship. Uh, it was a little weird from that angle. And also a little predictable from that angle. Yes. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, of course, we were... We, so here's my question for you guys then, okay, is... Um, we beat a team that is now playing in the Super Bowl pretty handily. Uh, is it is it kind of a little bit of an overreaction how much we've burnt down the house a little bit this offseason? Or do you think it's well-deserved? I think that changes needed to be made. It was clear that the team was getting stale. I loved, Nathan, what you said. I think you said this. I'm going to credit you regardless. When you said, I, I hope this team doesn't make the playoffs because I don't want them to have a reason to not fire Bevel and Cable. I feel like that needed to happen for us to clean house. I don't think it was an overreaction. Uh, talking to Kevin on the way over here, though, like the Jaguars, number one defense in the league, Minnesota, great defense, Eagles, great defense. None of these teams were historically great defensive teams like the Seahawks were. And I feel like, why couldn't we be healthy this year? Why couldn't we have just invested a little more in the uh, offensive line. Why did our number one draft pick have to be such a dumbass? You mean why not us? Why not us? Yeah, I I agree. Why I'm, not? I'm a little bitter about it. Just a little bit. It was um. What what's cool for me is that I we get to do all this cleansing of kind of lesser parts of our team. We have an excuse to do it without with while I can still justifiably say that hey I root for a really effing good football team that is very likely to win twelve games next year. Right? Yeah. Like, should. Like there's no qualms about it. So that that's kind of awesome to me, you know, that we get to that's that's where I'm at on it. Well we missed the playoffs winning ten games. That's no, nothing. Nine, we're nine and seven, Eric. We lost that last game. Yeah. I know you you, you probably know what? washed that Blair nope, Walsh field goal nope. out of your memory. I'm just gonna say I didn't watch the end of the last game. We won. <laughs> we're nine and six. Yeah, actually, yeah, we are nine and seven. Never mind, I take You are ready for the Walshing. Speaking of oh. speaking of Walshing, uh, there's a Facebook event that's been going around on uh, yes. on the internet. It's a uh, feed Blair Walsh to Mount Rainier. <laughs> so, uh, dude, it, that's not even a meal. It says uh, it's on. it says like the, the the fire gods are angry and they must and they demand or the football gods are angry and they demand a sacrifice. Blair Walsh must be fed to Mount Rainier on January the 31st. Did I did I come up with this joke? Because that's just like me to come up with something super hilarious way after the fact. I don't know, but but uh, <laughs> no, the Facebook page been making the rounds for a while. Oh, okay, uh, it's just it finally made it to Reddit. Um, I almost linked it off of our page a while back, but <laughs> just uh, it seemed more petty than I was feeling yeah. at the time. All right, so uh, let's go to our, our uh, some of our Seahawks related news before we move on to our breakdown of this week. That's uh, right, you guys. We're gonna be switching to our off season format for this podcast, where we kind of start with some Seahawks slash league news and then move into some more in depth analysis. Yeah. So the, the oh yeah. So I guess for people who are new to the podcast, I should explain this. Huh. More. So in the off season, what we do every week, we go Seahawks. Uh, we'll go Seahawks related news. Uh, we'll maybe touch on a few NFL stories, although. This week, I'm sure you're going to get plenty of that because, I mean, who isn't excited about the Pro Bowl? And then... Um, skills competition, y'all. Uh, we will talk about skills composition, composition in just a second. And then uh, we'll usually round it out with an in-depth uh, in-depth breakdown of some position group on the Seahawks, either in terms of like what we think they're going to do in the offseason or how do we think it's going to develop or towards the regular season, you know, which guys might get cut, stuff like that. So that's our offseason format for people who are new to the pod. Uh, so let's start off with this. I'm going to stop saying, uh, that's going to be my new goal for today. Uh, the, damn, I did it right away. Okay. Got him. So Russell Wilson's going to be in that skills competition. How excited are you in scale one to 10 that Russell Wilson's going to be in the Pro Bowl skills showdown? 17. 
I'm pumped. I'm you like, do not understand I'm, how much I love the I'm, skills competition. I'm unreasonably excited about this. That's the only thing that I'm looking forward to about it. But I've just learned today that Kevin is a man on fire for the skills competition. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite thing. It's ridiculous. Okay. People are running through tires. There's stupid blocking dummies set up in weird places. <laughs> so People that shouldn't throw the ball, throw the ball. It's awesome. So Russell Wilson's team, Patrick Peterson, Ryan Kerrigan, Michael Thomas, Graham Gano. Quan Alexander and Devontae Adams. That's that's who Russell Wilson's got. He's going to go up against Alex Smith, so that's a easy money, free win. Chris Boswell, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen, Geno Atkins, and Vaughn Miller. I would say that I like the NFC team a lot better if there's a strength-related thing in there just because they have kind of extra front seven guys. If it's all about speed, the AFC looks good. So We got Vaughn Miller for him. That's, that's good, right? We'll see what happens here. Yeah, Von Miller is really fast. So they're gonna. These are the competitions. You ready? Epic Pro Bowl dodgeball. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Power relay challenge. Wait, wait, wait. Over under on how many times Russell Wilson's baseball skills are going to be mentioned oh, in the no. dodgeball competition? Precision passing, which by the way is two players. Per each team. So that means one of them will be the quarterback and one of them will be someone who's not the quarterback. Here's the thing. Alex Smith is going to dominate the inside five yards on that one, but I got Russ everywhere else. Okay, and then best hands, which is quarterback and wide receiver duos from each team show off their skills, connecting a bunch of pass attempts. That one's one's a a toss-up. I mean, I really want – I'm excited to see Russell throw to Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. That'll be kind of cool. Oh, man, those those long leading passes. Keenan Allen, dude. Alex Smith can't throw it far enough to make good use of Keenan Allen. Uh, the power relay thing's funny because that's where they put they make the the biggest guy run so on each team. So um, it looks like it's going to be Quan Alexander and Geno Atkins are going to be in that relay race. So that should be hilarious. Oh, I think Quan Alexander should have that one. But if he doesn't, <laughs> Gino, that man should be embarrassed. Geno Atkins is a big That is boy. a large individual. He, he's listed at 300 pounds, and that is generous. That he's is thick uh, with four that's, Cs. That's under generous. All right, so that's uh, that's, that's our little mini breakdown of the uh, the Pro Bowl skills competition. Which I is, told you, now you're getting excited. You you know where the action's at here. Which is... Uh, that's a that's a Seahawks related story because uh, Russell Wilson's in it, and because the Pro Bowl's dumb. <laughs> uh, uh, we we gained two Pro Bowlers and lost one Pro Bowler, so Jimmy Graham's not going to be in the game. He's still technically a Pro Bowler, but he's not playing in it. Uh, I was about to say, did we just lose Jimmy Graham? Or Dwayne lose Dwayne Brown and Michael Bennett are going to be in the Pro Bowler. Uh, this is the fourth straight year Seahawks have had seven Pro Bowlers. It's a little bit embarrassing that they put an offensive lineman from our team on the Pro Bowl. Uh, it's it's stupid. I don't agree with it at all. And Mike Bennett didn't exactly have an amazing season. And eight and a half sacks, Michael Bennett. I was just about to bring that up. This wasn't like the banner year for Bennett or anything. A lifetime uh, achievement award. They're getting. I feel like yes, agree. These were both kind of. Oh, these guys are good, and so we'll put them in. It, it's wait, more wait, about the players. Brown, Bennett. Did they go in alphabetical order down I the list? Totally did. First person to pick up their phone. <laughs> all right, and then um, Cliff Averill. The stories are all over the place for this one. Uh, Cliff Averill saying stuff in the media like, we're going to build around Russell Wilson and I'll be back. And then also saying stuff like, I want to make sure that later in my life I can play basketball with my kids so I have to make the choices that are best for me. Uh, so what what do you guys think? Is Cliff back next year or is this it? Is this the end of the road? Man, I think it's a pride thing. It's We can sit here and say, it's a neck injury, got to hang it up. But both Cam and Cliff have come out and said, hey, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not done playing football, but I don't know. You you run into people for a living. You lower your head for a living. Um, it, it's going to be a long process for these guys. I don't see either one of them back. Uh, it just I don't get it. They it's not like oh these guys have a chance to come back. It's your coach and doctors saying like hey or you know coaches on behalf of the doctors saying these guys may never play football again. That's my thought. I think both of them are at a point in their injury where they're probably getting kind of the two paths speech where it's like, this is what could happen or this is what could happen. And emotionally, I think that's a really hard place to be in. You know, Earl had his infamous tweet wondering what was going on after his leg injury, because that's a that's a shocking moment for somebody. And I think what we're seeing is a similar thing play out between these two players. I think it's going to be a while before we really know what's going on with them and before we can take anything they say um, with more than just a grain of salt. So for right now, it's more just about, you know, uh, all the love we have for Cliff and uh, for uh, Cam. Cam 
and you know hoping that they make recoveries as human beings and then seeing if that leads to making recoveries as players too all right and former seahawks coordinators continue to land on their feet tom cable landed in oakland chris richard is now the defensive backs coach for dallas daryl bevel is the favorite to get the offensive coordinator job in arizona do you do you think that do you think that uh now you lost my train of thought kevin you should not have done that uh, <laughs> sorry it was killing me <laughs> uh so do you do you think that uh well, oh, do you think all these guys deserve jobs? Like, what what do you think about that? I don't think Cable does. I agree with Kevin. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were like, who's going to say it first? Should we say it at the same time? We always knew he had a puncher's chance, though. You know, <laughs> I think Chris uh, Richard as a defensive backs coach in Dallas, I think that's a fine hire. I don't. I wasn't really for or against Richard losing his job just because I don't – I'm not there. I don't know. With Cable, I can say, yeah, this sucks. It sucked for years. Um, Bevel, he'd been here for a long time and it wasn't getting any better. But Richard, I don't know. I, I root for that guy at least. Bevel calls a specific type of offense, and I wouldn't be surprised, as Nathan said on the podcast, about oh, 10 or 20,000 times in the last season. It'd be really interesting to see what Bevel does when he gets uncoupled from Cable. Well, we're going to see that, and it's going to be somewhere else, and it might be pretty good. It depends on, it depends on what, who the Cardinals end up getting to be their quarterback. Like that's a big question mark that is not answered right now. Well, also because if it's uh, Gabbert, Nathan, nah. you said something about Nick Foles in the uh, in the Quick Shot podcast. You said that he plays well when he's up. That's exactly uh-huh. how Daryl Bevel plays. Like okay. the, the playbook opens up, and our passing game gets a lot better when we are we have the lead. Look at the Super Bowl. That's so Arizona should sign Nick Foles. If you want to go that direction, it makes as much sense as anything, Kevin. The only you, thing I'll say is I don't know if they're really geared up to be a run-first team, and I think that's what Bevel needs. Even with David Johnson? Like uh, that's Their offensive line All right, is not that great. Well, uh, so Your body and dudes. Let's talk about uh, just a couple NFL stories. Uh, so, I don't know. Did, okay. Uh... What do you guys want to talk? Do you guys want to talk about these? Uh, these? These? There's all these stories about. Okay, the big story is Patriots finished with no penalties. We addressed that uh, in the quick shot. Sign up. James Jones. Okay, how about this? James Jones chose Tony Romo be, as his comeback player of the year because he made the championship game for the first time. Funny or not? Uh it's it's that's rude. That is rude. <laughs> that's dirty pool, James Jones. Uh, it was funny to say, but now that it's been picked up in a billion places, it has become progressively less funny every time I see it. Yeah, I actually think it's just kind of mean-spirited because it's not his fault, you know? Tony Romo played on a lot of teams with bad defenses and mediocre talent around him and still found a way to win 10 games almost every year. It's pretty. I, I have a lot of respect for the football that Tony Romo played in any different era, he would have been the best quarterback or maybe the second best quarterback in the league. So, but he played in like the golden age, right? Like the yes. if you really think about it, the quarterback play of the last I don't know ten years, we have had some incredible quarterbacks. You are one hundred percent right. Yeah, Bruce, from the mid nineties through the uh, like early twenty tens, yes. Breeze, Favre, uh, Manning, Brady, Rogers, like all these guys were you playing even at the same them time. All. Philip Rivers, like there's guys like Philip Rivers is another example of a guy who in a different era would have been the best quarterback in the league, but he played against those guys, so now he's like the seventh best guy of just his era. You know, Romo, same thing, seventh or eighth best guy of McNair. his era. Um, wait, what about uh, McNair? What about this weird thing to say? If Romo would have been the quarterback for Dallas instead of Dak Prescott two years ago, they would have won the Super Bowl. It's possible, right? I, I mean, especially with the season I, that Dak had bang, this year. I was banging that drum, dude. Uh, the the whole you they should bring Tony Romo in as the closer and let him play the playoffs and just show show the kid how it's done. He would have. They, I think they would have won the Super, or they would have been right in the mix. I, it's a hard, it's a hard call to make. But yeah, you don't want to just change the mojo of the team. No, though. I mean, but also it kind of makes bad me. Happens, you're gonna, you're gonna. Yep, you're nope. gonna. You're, yeah, you can't, it you makes can't me. You can't clap your way out of that one. It makes me just go, nah, Jerry Jones. Uh, so Drew Bledsoe said he's proud of the career Tom Brady had. He said, obviously I take all the credit for his success. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty good. Um, and, uh, Ricky G Ricky Jean Francois has asked what he knows about the Eagles. And he said, they're a bird team. Speaking of bird teams, the Patriots are three and O against bird teams in the Super Bowl. Does Ooh. that matter? 
you know, it, it matters. matters as much as it sounds like it does. It, exactly, Kevin. Exactly. <laughs> they beat these very Eagles in one of those bird games. All right, let's get let's get out of NFL news. I don't I don't. This this is like a dead week for the NFL. This week is worse than the off season week because there's really nothing happening. We're just in some weird holding pattern where we have to try to pretend to care about the Pro Bowl, but we don't. And we are not quite to the Super Bowl yet. And we can't get into full off season mode. Yeah, it's just it's annoying. We're All in right. uh, we're in NFL news purgatory. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the Seahawks. Uh, let's go talk about. We're gonna talk about positional groups. So we're gonna, me and Kevin at the gym the other day. We were talking and we kind of broke the Seahawks up into a bunch of different positional groups. And we're gonna try to hit like one a week until we run out, and then we'll do something else. <laughs> so. Yep. So we're gonna start uh, debriefing the season and taking some broad strokes on what the offseason plan could look like. So we'll talk a little. Uh, we'll talk a little 2017 football, we'll talk a little free agency, and we'll talk a little draft. So let's talk about uh, the Seahawks uh, quarterbacks and running backs this podcast. So last year's quarterbacks were Russell Wilson and Austin Davis. Our running backs at the end of the season were Mike Davis, Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lacy, and J.D. McKissick. On IR and uh, practice squad, we had Trevon Boykin with the Futures contract. And I think that's it, right? There's no other running back. Oh, Chris Carson was on IR and CJ Procise. Yep. Okay, sorry. I, how could I forget those guys? So Procise and uh, Carson were also on IR. Well, I can understand how you forget Procise, even though those were really memorable. Let me check my numbers. Uh, wait. Uh, 11 carries? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, re- ex- they were 11 really good carries, though. Let's be real. And an extremely memorable 11 targets. He was consistent. Hey, man. We talked about him. All season long. Even right. though he didn't play. Yeah. Let's start with quarterback. Austin Davis will be a free agent after this year. He was signed to a one-year deal to play back up to Russell Wilson. He will be able to be brought back on a very affordable contract. He performed his job admirably, which was be ready if Russell Wilson gets hurt, which didn't happen. Russell Wilson played fantastic. We uh, saw Austin Davis warm up when uh, Russell was ignoring concussion protocol. Hey, is there any other way to put it? Russell played great this year. Like, Is, it, is there any ifs, ands, or buts about it? No, man. Uh, okay, so do we want to dive a little deeper into how he played great? Sure, hit hit it, hit it, Kevin. Okay, so I got some quarterback numbers for you too. I went and pulled up his 2015 season because that was a season where we we're all like, "Man, Russell's breaking out." And so I pulled up his 2015 season as a direct comparison, and the numbers are an interesting comparison. So to start with, kind of your basics. Uh, he had 61% completion percentage, threw for 3,983 yards, 7.2 yards per attempt, 34 touchdowns, and 11 picks. And the big one, he was back up to his old self. He ran for 586 yards, which was wonderful to see after um, a season last season where he was hobbled and had a lot of trouble running. So by comparison's sake, in 2015, he had 68% completion percentage, which was much better. Um, threw for over 4,000 yards. Including 11, 1,134 yards on deep passes, third in the league. Yep, and that Pretty was great. the that's a big difference here because he had a full yard per attempt more that year. The same 34 touchdowns, but only eight picks and ran for 553 yards. So similar offensive production to 2015, and we all consider 2015 to be his kind of banner year as a uh, producer of offense. Yeah. All right. My big 2017 stat for Russell Wilson is when is when he didn't get pressured he was not pressured on 58.6 percent of his snaps last among quarterbacks the 29 quarterbacks who had enough dropbacks to qualify in this so uh but of those ones he was kept clean he was fifth in the league in quarterback rating uh throwing 76.1 percent of his passes accurately and having a, accurately and having a qb rating of 109.6 um russell wilson was fantastic this year as long as we kept him clean under pressure he had one of his worst under pressure seasons in quite some time but, as Kevin said, he made up for it on the ground. He actually had a really good running season this season. So, I'm not sure what to take away from that, except for, you know, if he's going to get pressured on 41.4% of his snaps, that's that's brutal. That's that's absolutely brutal. The fact that he didn't lead the league in sack, percent, sack percentage, in fact, uh, he was, you know, pretty far down the list. He took the 18th most sacks in terms of sack percentage, percentage of snaps he got sacked. That's pretty great. So I'm I don't know. Good job, Russ. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, he did a re- he did a really nice job this season, kind of carrying the team, and was in the he was legitimately in the the MVP conversation until what the four weeks to go when we kind of started imploding until the Jacksonville yeah. game when he when he threw up a, an ugly one. Yeah, and you also you can't give an MVP to a team 
to a to a player on a team like the Seahawks. I just don't I don't see it. Uh, the thing that I noticed was big is uh, so you know you mentioned the pressure numbers. I noticed the efficiency numbers were down. You know he was down to seven point two yards per attempt, but his Alex, which is uh, air yards for a pass, was up from twenty sixteen. So that means he was throwing the ball further than he did last year. Yeah, he but he had of, less yards per attempt. A lot of deep throws. He got a lot of his yardage off deep throws this year. Like, like I said, he was third in the league in deep yard throws this year. Um, Kevin, want to hear a weird one that you'll that you maybe you'll like? Yeah, that kind of explains some things. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, his completion percentage goes down almost sixteen percent when he waits more than two and a half seconds to throw. Uh, he. He completed 69.1% of his passes in two and a half seconds or less and 53.5 when 2.6 seconds or more. He actually had the longest time to attempt in the entire football league. And I think we all can see that on the film too. 2.88. And what was the next lowest? 2.85 and 2.85 with Tyrod Taylor and Brett Hundley. Not, Not great company. Uh, the next you love Tyrod Taylor. The ne- okay, fine. The How next, about the next consensus like top ten guy? The next closest quarterback that I would say is good. Dak Prescott at two point six six, Matt Ryan at two point five eight. I skipped over. That's a significant jump. I skipped by the way. over Jameis Winston, Case Keenum, Deshaun Kaiser, Jacoby Brissett, and Jared Goff. By the way, so all you uh, Jared Goff defenders, at come, us, bro. Come at me, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, so the other thing I want to bring up here. How much do you guys think this drop in efficiency? You know, we're talking about a significant drop in accuracy and a drop in yards per attempt. How much do you guys think that the complete inability to run play action played into this? Because y'all know what a strong three-step drop in play action quarterback Russ is. What do you think, Eric? Kevin, that's a leading question, but I think it's a damn fine leading question. Uh, That definitely had a part to play, and... I'm not going to apologize. This is directly tied into uh, Daryl Bevel, Tom Cable. Uh, not having an offensive line gave Daryl Bevel or maybe maybe the entire coaching staff this great idea that we needed some nine-step drops, seven-step drops. Uh, basically, Russell Wilson dropping back way too far. That he, that play. I mean, if you're dropping back farther, you got to throw the ball farther, right? Or if you're if you're if you're throwing at the same amount, then it's shorter yardage. That's simple math. Uh, we don't need the two teachers in the room to explain that. But you've also got a situation where we don't have any running game, so you have no play action. Maybe that has something to do with us running the read option that we only saw a little more than CJ Procise. Yeah, the back part of the season is when we finally started using that more. And I, I feel like there was a reason why we weren't doing it. And I think that is all tied into the offensive line. But we didn't like some of the uh, you know our, the routes our receivers ran. Sometimes it looked too predictable. This all ties in. And uh, the only thing that I'll say that might be a, a weird kind of look at it is uh, is Russ every year is doing this, hey, I'm stronger this year. I bulked up. Hey, this year I'm leaner and I'm quicker. I don't know what's going to work for Russ. I don't, I don't know what's best for the position. I'm not a trainer. Uh, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm I'm wondering if that has anything to play into it as right. well. You want to hear some, some Kevin? You kind of led us into play action as a question, right? Yeah. So last year, obviously, our run game was a lot better, and so play action last year was very effective. Last year, Russell Wilson had seven touchdowns versus no interceptions on play action passes, completed seventy three point six percent of his passes, and was second in QB rating in the league on plays he used play action. That was in twenty sixteen. Uh, yeah, in twenty sixteen. Okay. In plays he did not use play action, he was actually all the way down to twenty first in NFL QB rating. So. Play action was very important to how successful Russell was last year, right? Yeah. Well, this year on play action passes, Russell Wilson's QB rating was, I have to scroll way down to find it because he was 19th with a nine, with an old 94. And his actually his QB rating without play action went up to 95.8. What this says to me is that, one, Russell Wilson was playing overall better. He was less reliant on the play action pass to be successful. But the play-action plays we did run were much worse than they were the year before, and that's probably because the run game sucked, and it didn't. Who cares if you do a play-action? We're just going to tackle Russell anyway. Uh, that's that's my uh, my call on that one. Yeah, that's legitimate. So I mean, he had his best non-play-action season he's ever had. His non-play-action season seventh in the league off of non-play-action passes. Completed over sixty percent of his passes. 
Yeah, if he you was, combine last year's volume. play action rest with this year's non play action rest, MVP. then you have a runaway MVP. MVP, yeah. Interesting. So he's MVP caliber player playing uh, at MVP level. We just need to get a little bit more around him. We all agree on that? Yep. All right. So interesting stat for you for running backs, Kevin. You're going to like this one. Can we move to running backs? I thought we were going to oh. we going to talk about options at quarterback. Okay. Options at quarterback. Because we're so. trying to get a backup quarterback here. All right. So we need a backup quarterback. And let's talk about a few of the possible free agents. The number one free agent in the market that could be a great backup quarterback for the Seahawks is Drew Brees. And let me tell you why. He's the same height as Russell Wilson, so it won't change the offense at all. How do you guys feel about that? You know, uh, I heard that he taught Tom Brady everything he knows. So, do you think he'll command a big contract? <laughs> you know, I think if we can get creative uh, with the cap. <laughs> yeah, you know, we so so we can just it's, we can, it's, a, it's that big move that the Seahawks always seem to make. It would be really weird. A two quarterback offense, you know. <laughs> we can really skip past Breeze, Cousins, Cutler, all joking aside. We don't need a starter. Uh, those guys are uh we don't need a starter. starter or Cutler. Sorry, I tuned out after you is, said cousins. Is Brett is Brett in the room? Interesting, <laughs> interesting free agent quarterbacks uh, that are out there. And also Case Keenum we can't afford. Case Keenum he he played his way into a, a nice contract. Keenum will get some money. Yeah. Uh, uh Foles will get some money now. Okay. So okay, here's my question. I mean, older guys, there's a, quite a few interesting older guys that we could pick up that have kind of proven track records, you know who they are. Uh, Matt Moore, Derek Anderson, uh Chad Henney. Uh, Drew Stanton. These are guys that have been around the block. We know what they are. They're not great, but they're not horrible. Uh, so, are do any of those guys interest you, or do you guys rather be like Austin Davis? I wonder about Mark Sanchez since he's familiar with the offense, and I don't think he'll get the two million that he was going to get to be the placeholder for Mitchell Trubisky. But if I'm looking at Mark Sanchez, I'm wondering why I wouldn't just take Austin Davis instead because Austin Davis has also played under Schottenheimer. Oh, I forgot Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent too. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, is Matt Moore a free agent? You said. Yeah, Matt Moore. I you know I I like Matt Moore enough to have him be our backup. I right, think you want, that you want to hear my my right. dumb pick, Eric? That you're gonna you're gonna either hate my dumb picks that you're gonna hate. I'll let you know. So I, I think like quarterbacks that can run. That's kind of my thing, right? Like, which which free agent quarterbacks can run? Well, I got a couple for you. We got Geno Smith, and we got EJ Manuel. Do either of these guys interest you? From like a hey, this is a quarterback that can run. Maybe we can develop them to be decent behind. Oh, man, I was convinced you're gonna say my guy. I don't I don't hate EJ Manuel, but I don't want him on this team. I do not believe anything that geno smith can do <laughs> I f- no not i see no leadership i see no skills it's n- we're not a new york team no i would right. rather ju- uh sign geno the optional player character from super mario rpg than geno smith all right kevin what's your uh what's your what's your quarterback of choice for the uh, agent list when it's time for a backup quarterback it's gabbert time oh blaine gabbert i think blaine gabbert is mobile enough familiar enough with the concepts that we'll be running that as a backup quarterback who's going to make under a million dollars as he definitely proved this year he's not a starting quarterback that he wouldn't be a bad guy to put in there yeah i have a feeling blaine gabbard is going to get like three million dollars from someone and I, and if he does i'm not going to pay him we are not going to pay him but if we're giving dollars. him like nine hundred thousand, like he got last season i'm i'm fine with that i'll say i don't hate that choice kevin all right i'm not rooting for it though let's talk about the more interesting position group for the Seahawks that is the running backs okay the running backs we talked about the ones we had on roster I'm going to give you an interesting fact on the stat service that I use I have to bring the the bar all the way down to the lowest possible threshold for any Seahawks running backs to show up that's how few attempts they got on the season rushing attempts that's it that's all I wanted to say they they were they did not run we did not run very much uh this season running back runs uh, we got some interesting stuff from our running backs. Were there, are there any running backs currently on our roster that you are super pumped about? Let's start with that, Eric. Chris Carson. I don't know. We saw things in the preseason, preseason that made us like you know perked our ears up, made us look and say you know this guy this guy might take the job. When he played, I felt like this was a guy who could go in between the tackles. He could bump it outside. Uh, he was a nice complimentary. Or he would be the the lead back to our complimentary backs, I felt beyond that, no. I feel like JD McKissick was kind of a a a silver lining in our gray skies, but I think he's totally replaceable. CJ Procise wasn't on this team last year, more or less. Um, I don't I'd like to see more of him, but that's only if we're gonna use him. We've 
we've talked everything we we've said everything we could say about Thomas Rawls. Uh, that's that's my take. Hundred percent right there. Chris Carson. That's it. Um. So, uh, the the okay. Chris Carson. That's it. You don't Prosize actually in the limited amount of carries he got. I mean, he made on six receptions. He made seven tacklers miss. That's more missed tackles than. Uh, that's almost as many missed tackles as all the other Seahawks running backs had combined. Well, on let me let me ask you this though: Do you see Prosize as a running back? I know his position is running back, but when you think Seahawks running backs, are you thinking Prosize? Yeah. Are you thinking like that? I don't. I kind of think of him as a split back, like someone who will be in the backfield but mostly plays receiver. I kind of think of him as a guy who's on IR all the time, and I guess I can't really plan for him. That's that's if, fair as well. If he stayed healthy though. This guy has dynamite and skills. And he might. He might. Look at Paul Richardson. That was a guy I never thought was going to get healthy. Now he's a stud who may not be on this team next year. Uh, Thomas Rawls might be the same way, but I think he will never be healthy. Kevin Carson, Procise, Mike Davis. Definitely not Eddie Lacy. What do you think? Uh, Lacy and Rawls are gone. I've already written them off in my mind. Mike Davis. We felt so good about Mike Davis. When you start digging into the numbers, though, you realize we were super pumped about a replacement level running back. Yeah, he's just like, he's kind of average. That's what I was gonna he say. He is a too. bang average running back, and the how excited we got about him speaks more to the dearth of good play that we had than it does to anything else. It's like when you can't have your favorite like food and you have a really terrible version of that food, and you're like, this is really good. He had a three and a half yards per carry. Um, you know, he his efficiency numbers when he started digging into football outsiders um does DVOA. He was uh minus twenty-three percent. So he which is which sounds awful, right? That's also known as twice as good as Rawls or Lacey. Yeah, he had thirty-four percent of his yards on yards run on big plays too. Yep. So he he was, he was like a boom bust back. Yeah, it was like boom it was like good play, good good. Uh, horrible play, horrible play, good play, horrible, horrible play. You want to get about four yards per carry, and you want to do it pretty reliably. Chris Carson and J.D. McKissick are the only two that did that. If we start a running back rotation with Carson and McKissick, we have Procise as our fourth running back for if he's healthy, and that's the only way I bring him back. And we need somebody else to be the committee in that backfield because I don't want to give Carson... I don't want to rely on Carson having a great sophomore year. I want Carson to be the second runner, and I want McKissick to be the Swiss Army knife. There's the thing for me, Kevin, is that I I kind of agree, but I think Mike Davis might be able to do the J.D. McKissick role, pass catcher, uh, explosive back, perhaps better than McKissick, and he can block better. He can block uh, better, but I don't think he can split out or do some of the more gadgety things McKissick can do. He's, you think he's wily enough to be and like the McKissick? The thing is, it's like, okay, you say that, like, okay, he can't, might not be able to be that good at splitting out. How good was McKissick splitting out anyway? His uh, his yards per route run was like 1.21. He played 219 snaps where he ran a route and only got 266 receiving yards. Like, that's a lot of snaps where he ran a route. for, And he just didn't catch that many balls. I mean... I don't know. Just Mike Davis once again. One, he ran seventy-five routes and got one hundred and thirty-one, so one point seven five yards per route run. I just feel like the Davis. Just I don't know. He just seems like a. It's samey. It's real samey with McKissick for me. Maybe he's not a wide receiver. Like he can't run a real route. But I think that's a convincing argument, Nathan. He, but it seems to me like McKissick has more versatility, and maybe that's just how it how it feels, how it looks. It could be the eyeball is yeah the uh, overriding things. But I just feel like, like I feel like there's things you can do with McKissick you can't do, or I I guess leave it this way, I feel like McKissick can back up Procise's role in a way that I don't think Davis can. Yeah, um, their versatility as a player, where you can put them on the field, the ways you can line them up, I think are similar. McKissick is a poor man's Procise, but he's healthy. I just I, I just I'm not. Jenny McKissick just doesn't do anything for me. I the more I like think about him, the less I'm just like the more I'm just I just don't not into it. Don't think we need him at all. Um there's and plus there's lots of free agent guy running backs we're gonna get into right here that I just I don't I don't know. I, I I'm I'm kinda out on McKissick. I would at not this be point. surprised if the Seahawks moved on from McKissick, because McKissick does not fit the type of running back that Seattle generally pursues. And I, I feel like we could get him somewhere else. Like his replacement somewhere else. 
Okay, so... Yeah, his skill set's not that unusual in this college spread offense world. Right, and one one thing I do like about Davis, Kevin, just in a general sense, is that he can back up kind of everything, right? He catches decently. He can... We, he did carry the load at the end of the season, whatever that was. If he's your fourth <laughs> running back, yeah. then you're fine. I just kind of when want he's your first running back, he got problems. I, I'm in a situation here where I feel like we're going to end up in a spot where we're keeping one running back at the end, and I don't want that guy to be McKissick this year. He just didn't. He doesn't. He doesn't pass block well. He's he's an okay receiver. He's not a good running back. Like he's. I don't want us to ever run a straight handoff to McKissick ever again. I'm done with that. If you, if we bring him in as a wide receiver slash special teamer, I'm into it. Like just he was a more efficient runner than Davis was, though. In what in what way? Like just raw DVOA because they uh, were pretty equal in terms of like the raw other DVOA uh, yards per carry. Um, he had less of his he had less of his yardage off of uh, twenty plus yard runs. Um, he was less boom bust. He was a more reliable I runner. Mean, more reliable in what way? How many carries did did JD McKissick have? Forty six, three less than Chris Carson. They, and they versus sixty eight. Chris Carson. What did? What is? What, why are you bringing Chris Carson into this, Kevin? Why do you so, soil his good name like that? <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I'm just not. Like, I, I don't. I'm not into McKissick. I'm just gonna plant my flag on that. I'm one. not gonna defend a league <laughs> average running back this hard. So yeah, like, no, I'm not gonna fight you IRL over this. The. That's, here's the thing. As I was saying, there's lots of interesting running backs in free agency, so let's dig into that. You guys ready? Yes. All right, let's do this. Well, here's the one we're not going to get, Le'Veon Bell. And let's just throw that one out, okay? Uh, so Le'Veon Bell is a free agent, and he's not going to be a Seahawk. Uh, Darren Sproles uh, is an interesting guy we could bring in to play the uh, McKissick flex role. I don't he think is 34 will. years old. He's old. He probably will make about $4 million next year. It seems a little expensive for what we're looking for. I think Dion Lewis falls into that same bucket where Dion Lewis earned himself about five, six million dollars this year, and the Seahawks won't be able to afford him, which is too bad because Dion Lewis is the fucking man. I think we can <laughs> yeah. look at about three million as the ceiling on like I really, back. I really like Dion Lewis, but there's just no way. So let's go into the guys that maybe we can afford. <laughs> oh damn it! I should not have done that. Yes. Uh, so Isaiah Crowell, Kevin. Has the bottom fell out on Crowell enough that we could maybe bring him in for a couple million uh, next year? Well, he was a little under three million. He had a down year. If you dig into his numbers, he he's pretty good. Yeah, this is Ag- agreed. This is kismet. I cannot believe he's a free agent. I didn't know. He also really fits the type of running back that Seattle likes. He's you know between about five ten and six one. He's around 220 pounds. He has some explosiveness. And this is a guy in 2014, 15, and 16. He was on an upward trend. And then last year, he got Hugh Jacksonated. He pass blocks, <laughs> he pass blocks pretty good, too. Like, yep. he, he's 90% pa- uh, pass block efficiency. Like, he, he's not a bad pass blocker. Is he that good? He can be a feature I back. He was decent. He had, and then everyone wants to talk about how down his year was. Dude had 4.1 yards per carry on 206 attempts. And no offense, you're playing for Cleveland. I feel like that's a pretty maybe... efficient runner too. He's not he's not crazy exciting. Like he didn't break a million tackles or make a bunch of guys miss. That could help you know? us though. That could help us land him. He's a solid get out of Cleveland. Runner. The thing is, Isaiah Crowell <laughs> yeah. Crowell is uh would give us basically what Thomas Rawls gave us two years ago. The numbers are not wholly dissimilar. And Remember how high we were on Thomas Rawls two and years that's ago. that's also, that's a back that you can build around. Like, that guy splitting some time with Carson, that's not bad. I'll, and Crowell, Crowell is a decent pass catcher, too. I want to hear the rest of the list, but I'm fine stopping here. But go ahead, Nathan. All right, you ready for mine? Big one, here we go. Alfred Morris, 29 no, years old, $1.75 million. Alfred Morris gained 3.3 yards per attempt after contact last year. That is real good he wasn't uh that is. is really good okay two things i want to say but <laughs> he was better than ezekiel Elliott when i looked at the advanced stats. okay that's what i was gonna say when when he took over for zeke in those six games it was like he's really not that much different than zeke nope he just doesn't have that cool of a name now <laughs> or abs or wear half shirts <laughs> exactly but or now, a second gear i was or, gonna say or, and he can't catch passes kevin just, is very much immediately when you said that i perked up and kevin said no thank you kevin it's a he he's a one gear running back. He'll get you three point three yards after contact every single rush, and those will be the yards that I'm he okay, gets. I'm okay with chugging out six yards of rush at this point, though. Like I'm into it. Well, that's, I'm ready. We're kind of having a reset, right? But yeah, he's not going to juke a lot of people. But he is will he, be Kevin? cheap. 
That's another thing, too. He'll be cheap. That's true. He's 29, so he's not totally over the hill yet. He's not at that age where you just can't sign him as a running back. Um, Now I'm out. uh, Damian Williams, uh, 25 years old from Miami. He had a really good finish to the season. Uh, Kind of a lot of nothing the rest of the season. He's, uh, Damian Williams is an interesting player. I'm not into it. Uh, from I watched a little bit of Damian Williams, but I can see why someone would be. Kevin, is this someone you targeted or no? No, I don't feel like he's a fit in our offense. I just I he seems like a guy who can be used sparingly to do interesting things. Sometimes I just don't want to put. A, I don't want to give him a roster spot. I'll be honest. Uh, I also watched some of him playing, and I'm like, eh, it's fine. If yeah, we needed was, three running backs, and if we I wanted had to resign Mike money, Davis without resigning Mike Davis, I guess I'd sign Damian. I think Williams. Damian Williams is a little better than, but he's, he's a better Mike Davis. But he'd also get paid more. Yes, he would be paid as such. He's All a right. gadgety Mike Davis. Here's a couple guys that I just don't think we have any chance of getting: uh, Rex Burkhead, Terrence West, Orleans Darkwa. I think all those guys are out of our reach. Jeremy Hill. I don't want not. Terrence West. Uh, Jeremy, Hill, Jeremy Hill. I wrote down. I think that he will not get a big contract because he did not have a good year, and he seems to be on the decline because of his usage pattern in Cincinnati. Right, uh, and he didn't. He had only two point three yards after contact per attempt last year. He uh, he. Let me see how he pass blocked because that's that's kind of one of my things now. You got to pass block good if you're going to play with, with Russ, right? I'm tired of guys being our running backs just not doing anything. Not in just the our running game. backs, but our every Jeremy Hill. That he pass blocked seven times and was successful on all seven. Jeremy Hill was a guy. <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> Hill runs six. six no, Jeremy Hill good. runs six one two thirty, and he runs like it. Like he's a big back that plays like a big back. Well, and Jeremy Hill was rumored to be on the uh, you know the trading <laughs> block to Seattle when we were you know pulling those trades. It never happened, but that was like when I heard that, I was like I would take Jeremy Hill right now. Uh, right. Not that it would have mattered with our offensive line. After that, there's no one. There's no one that really stood out to me. Like maybe Kevin thinks like Fitzgerald Toussaint or Alfred Blue is the guy. I'm no, not sure. I think that if you're trying to get that guy, then you try and draft the better version of that guy. That's my feeling on running oh, back. Oh, and Carlos Hyde's a free agent too. And in my dreams, we get Carlos Hyde, but that's never happening. So I'm nope. just gonna let it go. Too much money. <laughs> Carlos Hyde's gonna get like eight million dollars next year, and he deserves Wait, it. So uh, if J.D. McKissick is a uh, is a poor man, C.J. Prosize, uh Carlos Hyde is Bill Gates, C.J. Prosize. So the San Francisco 49ers are gonna open up their their wallets for two players in this offseason. That's Brandon, crazy. Brandon Oliver, Kevin, do you like Brandon Oliver? I like Brandon Oliver. Uh, Brandon Oliver's fine, uh, but he's another guy who can't stay healthy, so I have no interest. Yeah, all right. Uh, that, that, was there anyone else you wrote down, Kevin? Or is nope, that, I had I... Isaiah Crowell, because, you know, that crow knows. Throw, them pizza, crow. throw them pizza Lunchables on the field, Kevin. That's a fact. And then I had Jeremy Hill, because he fits the type of running back that we like. And if we're going to get a big power back, he's the only one that I see that I think has upside. All right, not... And then my guys, uh, I like Alfred Morris. I think he's under underrated. And uh, then I want uh, us to get Carlos Hyde in my dreams. That's my dream. <laughs> uh, Eric, anyone stand out to you that we talked about? No, man, I really love the list you gave. Uh, for me, honestly, what Kevin said, Isaiah Crawl is number one. Uh, Jeremy Hill is, I think, a fine consolation prize. How old is he? Is he Jeremy Hill's 25. 25. I don't know, man. I... I didn't bring up Jarrett McKinnon either, just because that guy's going to make like eight million dollars. He's going to get paid. I know he, that a he, lot he of this year. teams are doing the two running backs, um, and I don't mean like you know two like a split back and the power back. I'm talking about like two guys and the basically do the same thing. And Cincinnati really let this work for them for a little bit with Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill. I felt that it's going to bury both backs in free agency. By the way, the Spotrac market value thing says that Jarrett McKinnon's going to make four million. Carlos Hyde's going to make 4.7 million. I would Oh no, 5.8, 5.8. That's still what? Deion Lewis, Deion Lewis they have though down for uh 5. I'd pay 5 million a year for Deion Lewis. I'm not going to lie. Deion Lewis there's no tread on the tires. He hasn't he he took whole all the whole last season off. He gets injured though. He went to fumble jail for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> New England was like no chance of parole. They fumble jail for you. Uh all right. That's it. That's all I got um, for the running backs and any anything else you guys want. To, oh, Kevin, give us a couple rookies that you like, and I'll give you. I'll give everyone my one rookie. So don't don't steal mine. I know you know who it is. So go ahead and well, tell. Why don't us. you give yours because it's one of mine before we do this? No, no, you go first because you got more stuff, and I want to look up a, a stat before. Okay, I so I looked at it, and I'm thinking there's like you know everyone wants to talk about Saquon Barkley, Carry on Johnson. We're not uh, getting. They're going to go like first round. I don't think we're going to pick anyone in the first round. I agree. So I have a couple of guys in the second or third. I have a couple of guys that I think are going to be like in the 
fourth or fifth round, and I have a few guys that I think are going to be late or UDFAs. So the two guys I want you to look at early are Darius Geis out of LSU. Um, he's a little bit smaller than we typically go for in a back, but we'll see what he weighs in at. He's about 5'11", 215-ish. He's a really aggressive runner. Um, he has good vision from behind the line, and he has the speed to break away, and so he can kind of break off those big runs. Also, but three he's very point, physical. 3.11 yards per contact, yards after contact per carry. Pretty awesome. In the SEC. So these are against real tacklers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, there's a running back out of Georgia that I really like, Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb, again, fits the measurements that we really like for a running back. It's about 5'10", 220. Um, very productive back for multiple years. He is kind of the downhill power back, plant and go, which makes him a good fit in a power run system or in the types of blocking schemes Mike Solari really likes. And he's the guy. Both of these guys could be feature backs. These are like 20 carry backs. All right, and Kevin, uh, 3.8 yards after contact per attempt. For Nick Chubb, that, if you don't know, that's like my favorite running back stat. If, yeah. if you haven't already figured that out. I assumed you were going to give this to me for all these guys, and um, you might notice a trend in the types of running backs that I'm going to bring up yeah. based on what we like. Okay. Um, so you go to those middle rounds, like you're talking late day two, early day three of the NFL draft. Uh, I'm looking at Royce Freeman out of Oregon. That's my guy. You did it. You hit my dude. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sonny Michelle. No, that's my other dude. But no, Royce Freeman, my dude. Uh, I'm into it. 3.39 okay, yards I'm per let contact. You do this. Uh, 3.39 yards after contact per attempt. He made 48 ta- a staggering 48 tacklers miss last year on rushes. Uh, this guy is elusive. He's big. Uh, he Kevin Kevin has mentioned to me in the past. He does have a tendency to sometimes run soft and uh, and he I runs too upright is my I problem. I don't like totally disagree with that, but he just. He reminds me of like um, now I can't think of it. I had it like in my head, and now I just lost it. But he's he's a good, he's a good runner, and I I really like him. He's just I'm into it. And as a third or fourth round flyer, I think that you could do a lot worse than than uh, Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman also fits with the Seahawks. Like he's like in measurables wise, he's a Seahawks guy. He's got he's very quick. He's one of those like quicker than fast type players. Mm-hmm. Is that something you hear? Um, he doesn't give a shit about your arm tackle. Yeah. Just try him. Like, he'll run through that. Uh, he's run with some injuries that have made him look a little bit worse at times. He doesn't engage as a run blocker or as a pass blocker the way I'd like, but that's something you can coach up. Yeah. The uh, first two guys I mentioned, I think that Chubb and uh, Geis, the thing that makes them a higher pick for me, is that they're a three down back. Like, they can run block two or they can pass block two. Yeah. Um, if we don't go Royce Freeman, I think a guy with an extremely similar skill set is Rashad Penny out of yeah, San Diego State. I was just about to mention Rashad Penny. And Rashad Penny is also a kick returner. Yeah, 2,248 yards last year, 23 touchdowns, uh, 4.28 yards after contact. But let's remember, forget, he played in the Mountain West, so it's not like he has a lot more opportunities to make crazy things happen. The nice thing is, like, go watch his tape against lot, Stanford. 23 touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns. And you can watch him you can watch him play teams like Stanford like you know he's play, they play some good teams in San Diego State. You can see him play against some NFL talent and he he stands out on the film. Yeah, he's 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 real effing good. I was a I was a fan. Uh And then if we go even later, there's two other players I want to give and that's uh Levon Coleman from Measurement. He's a running back out of Washington. Uh 5'11" 228. Um, didn't get a lot of carries at Washington. Uh, pass blocking was mixed results, but he has good burst for his size. Um, kind of deceptive speed. And if he gets to the second level, he's really hard to bring down. Mm-hmm. So he's someone who I could see like a UDFA flyer on. And this is a guy, I don't know if he's going to measure out the way the Seahawks like, but Ralph Webb out of Vanderbilt. I love this kid. He runs really low, has exceptional balance. He gets a lot of extra yards. This guy was running in the SEC behind Vanderbilt's line. And he was the person that you had to game plan for if you were the other team. And he still went out and got his. And and one weird thing that happened at running back is like everyone came back. Like Bo Scarborough, Miles Gaskin, Naheem Hines came back too, right, Kevin? Uh, Bo Scarborough went out. Bo Scarborough went out. Okay, then Ronald Jones, did he come back? Ronald Jones went out. Okay, L.J. Scott. L.J. Scott came back. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Bryce Love. Bryce and Love came back, came and that's back. the big one because Bryce Love was going to be a first-round, maybe early second-round pick, and so him coming back kind of shuffled everyone up a spot. Bryce Love, 
I mean, his stat line for a guy with 214 attempts is nuts. 4.74 yards after contact. He made 69 uh, rushers miss miss tackles on rushes. Uh, That's pretty freaking good. He's small. That's the downside. Uh, 5'10". Yeah. Uh, a generous 196. So I'd say if the Seahawks are looking for like that feature back guy, you look at Geis, you look at Chubb. I think Freeman and Penny are both like 15 carry guys that you mix in that could yeah, they're not, become more. They're not going to re- be ready to carry the load as rookies. And I, I'm really high on Ralph Webb. And this weekend, instead of watching the Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl will be played. Yeah. And you can see Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, and Ralph Webb all play in the Senior yeah. Bowl. And you can see... Someone who might be a future Seahawks running back. Ralph Webb, the thing is, is he has good measurables, but he doesn't have, like, great, like, tackle breaking or, like, he only broke 14 tackle or made 14 tacklers miss the whole season, which yeah. is a, not a lot for a guy that played a, a he played most of the carries. Uh, my guy was LJ Scott, like, going into the, this draft process, and I was, like, real salty when he decided to come back. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was just like, come on, LJ Scott, that's my dude. Like, I was so into LJ Scott. And it, he doesn't even have, like, the, the good stats I like, like, the stats that I look for. He's just huge. <laughs> He's a really big guy. Uh, someone that you're going to hear bandied about is uh, Cameron Petway from Auburn because he's a really big back. Don't bite on that. That's fool's gold. He's really big. He's a kind of a plotter. He's not explosive. He also got suspended, so he's he's barely going to get drafted because of that. I, I think there's character issues there. Yeah, um, Seattle has a Seattle has a type when it comes to running backs. Like they'll uh, they'll swipe whatever direction you swipe yeah, they, if you want to have sex with somebody. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> how that works. Kevin with the Tinder reference, uh, but they do like Kevin's right. They do like like they like bigger athletic backs and they like smaller like catching backs. They definitely have a, a thing that they're going for. And even though field goals is our mortal enemy, I have to give them credit on this one. So they broke it out uh, between five ten and six two, between two hundred and ten and two hundred thirty pounds. The big thing is when we get to pro days and the combine. They like a broad jump over about nine and a half feet. They like a vertical over about 35 inches. Those both measure explosiveness. If you think about good Seattle running backs, it's all about burst. Like we don't care if you can like outrun everyone down the field. We care like within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Can you burst and move and shift at full speed? And then a four a sub four six five forty because really if you're a running back running more than four six five either you didn't care enough to learn how to run a forty yard dash and you're lazy, or <laughs> you just don't have NFL speed. And, and let me give a Darius that Darius Goose compliment a compliment. Guys, he's guys. Sorry, he's a very good pass blocker already, uh, and that's something that a lot of people worry about with these NFL running backs when they come in is um so that's something to watch out for too as they go through the process is like do these guys get ripped apart as being not good pass blockers um so speaking of pass blockers there's a running back for georgia that got to pass block a lot because he played on third down sony michelle uh he's he's he is fits the athletic profile kevin's talking about he's averaged 7.9 yards per carry last year he only ran he only had 124 rush attempts but on all of those rush attempts he made 32 guys miss that's a one out of every four rushes he had, he make, he's making a tackler miss. He's pretty, pretty special player, and uh, I really, I'm a big fan of Sony Michelle. I, I, I would love to see him on Seahawks not carrying the ball more than 15 times a game, but, <laughs> but if as a complimentary back to just bring into the stable, I think he would be an excellent, you know, second, third round back or first down back when we want to run, you know, option plays. He's gonna know how to do that stuff. Yeah, and I think something to bring up with, uh, Geis Chubb. Freeman, Penny, and Michelle. Uh, Michelle, they're all running backs. And specifically the, the previous four that I think we actually might have a shot at drafting. They're all running backs that have worked like uh, Geis shared carries with uh, Leonard Fournette and then shared carries with another senior this last year, Williams. Uh, Freeman worked in Oregon. Oregon has runs multiple backs. Rashad Penny uh, shared carries with Donnell Pumphrey, who was the leading rusher in college football last year uh, at San Diego State. Um, By the way, the fact that LSU wasted carries on Darrell Williams this year is is a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle shared carries. So these are people where if you start running, you know, because some running backs need like 
10 or 15 carries to even get warmed up. We talked about that with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, you wanted to give him the ball 20 or 25 times because he needed to get that motor running. Even Sean Alexander was that way. Yeah, Sean Alexander had to be the feature back. These are all running backs that are used to kind of sharing the load. You know, if they get, you know, 15 But not Rashad or so. Penny. He had like the second most carries of anyone in the all of FBS. But last year he shared runs with uh, Donald Pumphrey, yes. who was the leading rusher in FBS. So he does have that experience. Like that's the thing. Like the, we know these are things they can do. One, I mean, Kevin, you went really comprehensive on this, as we knew you would, and Nathan, you have a lot of great stats. I don't watch a lot of college football. I just honestly so I, just I, read like the draft primer on the pro, pro football focus. Well, page. I, I love this because I, did. I don't watch college football, so this is this is like my chance to just be like, "Ooh, really? This is great." But it's funny how this is going to shake down in you know four months or whatever. Right. A lot of these guys, like I'm sorry, Nathan, maybe the guy that you are really circled in on is going to go 18th in the draft. This yeah, is which Sony Michelle could. Another thing too is the for these guys, like we're gonna figure out like which of these guys are are gonna make it through the process, right? There are certain guys the Seahawks are gonna circle, and there are certain guys we mentioned that the Seahawks are going to cross off, yeah. right? They're just gonna be like, nah. And there's always that guy that us. you never thought of <laughs> that so. the Seahawks are really yeah. high on. It's like for quarterback, I'm like, what are the Seahawks' best fits? J.T. Barrett from Ohio State, Kenny Hill from TCU. But really, it's going to be Kenny Hill might be a UDFA. They're not going to spend a draft pick on him. And they're not JT spending Barrett, a pick. we have no idea where he's going to go in the draft. Some people are saying he could be a sixth or a seventh round pick. Some people, some people think, are saying like a second or a third. Yeah, There's some people no think he could happening. be like a third round wide receiver pick. Like they're like third round and convert him. It's like, what are you thinking? I'm sorry. Anyone who says third round and convert JT Barrett is like, oh, he's a black guy who plays quarterback. He'll play wide receiver. People think that though. I'm just telling, I'm just letting you in on. Oh, the, I know uh, that people think that, but it's like if you watch that, per, if you watch him, you, you are not going to mistake him for Lamar Jackson. I just like that yesterday JT Barrett was in the news making fun of Jim Harbaugh. Like, like, I just like, you know, uh, dude, once Ohio state, always Ohio state for life. He, he signed a football. Um, he signed a, or is a football or a helmet? I can't remember. It's on Twitter though. It's, oh, it's a helmet. He signed a helmet. It says JT Barrett, number 16. And it says it was a first down Harbaugh OSU 30. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The 27. It's, it's pretty good, man. It's, it's just, he, he never, uh, you know, he, once, once a, I guess once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. You know, good for him. Yeah, that's good. That's classy. Uh, Harbaugh's <laughs> kind of a jerk, so he he kind of walks right into it. Harbaugh's a caricature, and he knows it. And uh, you know, he loved that. He's he's the ultimate no. Uh, any publicity is good publicity kind of guy. Yeah, and Barrett is the Barrett's like the most accomplished Ohio State quarterback ever, and that's not like a trash list to be on. You yeah, know? and he's a uh, three-time Big Ten quarterback of the year. Uh, this guy played against big boy. Um, defenses. He was four and zero against Michigan. Sixty four percent completion percentage. He's a freaking gamer, dude. I like J T. Barrett. I wouldn't mind if we had J T. Barrett. I think J T. Barrett and Kenny Hill both can run the type of offense that we would run around Russell Wilson, and so I would be fine with either of them coming in and having a shot at backup. All right. Uh, so we don't have a lot of time. We used all that time. Uh, so let's go quick. Um, man, I had like a longer movie to talk about. Let's go. Let's say no, let's just go overtime. Let's do no, it. Uh-uh. What about ti- money zone? What I'm about tired. The money, the money zone. We got so much stuff to do. All right. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can head to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and throw us a little money our way. Uh, we put up exclusive podcasts each and every week, plus ne- soon coming uh, in, this, in the off season, instead of doing uh, every week podcast, we'll do like every other week videos instead. Uh, also, we send out stickers sometimes, stuff like that to the patreons um what else uh you can also follow us on twitter at seahawks nest or follow us on facebook at the seahawks nest uh like everything five stars on itunes you guys did a good job with that we have like 15 five-star itunes reviews now and they're that's very nice of everyone because that that's, that's not a not a fun process to go through the itunes review system mm-hmm. uh, unless you have an iphone then it's great but if you don't have an iphone it's a it's an effing nightmare all right uh, let's go, let's go ahead and head on over to uh, movie stuff and let's talk um, Oscar nominees. Okay, we're gonna just I'm just gonna list. This is gonna be a quick one. I'm gonna just go with it. I'm just gonna tell you the movies that are nominated for the 2018 Best Picture. I want you to tell me the movie that you would like to win and the movie that you think will win. Okay, and uh, Kevin, I'm gonna ask you to go first. Okay, because you've seen I think you've seen as many of these movies as I have. You've seen like five or six, right? So uh, I've seen. You saw, so Kevin seen. I've seen one. No, you're not. You, you saw talking Best Picture. You didn't see Shape of Water. You just saw three billboards. I have only seen three billboards. Oh, okay, so then, well, I guess you're just gonna tell me which one you think will win then. Uh, I've seen five. I think Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, uh, Shape of Water, 
Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird. If we do this one. closer to the awards, I'll be able to tell you. All right, then let's, I definitely get to okay, let's just read all these movies, and then you guys tell us, the fans tell us, which one you want to win. Uh, I want Get Out to win. That's me. Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside of Missouri. I have two comments on this. One, I'm going to see eight out of nine of these movies because I am not putting myself through seeing The Post. I know I'm not going to like it. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. I watched the ad for that movie, and I'm just like... This looks boring. This is a movie for people that are older than me or people who are more patient than me. What was one the, or the other? What was the movie that came out a couple years ago about the Good Night uh, and Good Luck? No, the Catholic Church uh, Spotlight. Spotlight. It was that Spotlight. It was oh, because uh, that one Best Picture too. Yeah, Spotlight. I had no interest in seeing that. For that, I was like, this is gonna bum me out. I'm not watching it. All right, Kevin. Which of these movies do you want to see the most and the least? I'm changing the question. Okay, so I've already seen Three Billboards, and you like it. I really like that movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, the next movie I want to see the most is Get Out. Okay. Uh, the movie I want to see the least is The Post. That's easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Phantom Thread looks super weird, but I'm kind of into it. Like I'm like I kind of want to figure out what's going on here. Here's the thing: if you just explain the plot of There Will Be Blood, guess what? Doesn't sound that interesting. If you put Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> in a movie and allow him to be Daniel Day Lewis, guess what's always interesting? Yeah, that, that combination of P.T. Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis is always pretty sweet. Yes. Um. So, Eric, do you uh, do you have one? Do you have how much of these movies have you seen? Man, I'm looking. I've not seen any of them. All right, and you've I'm, seen zero. But I will tell you this: as far as what I want to win, uh, I feel bad saying this because I feel like I should go with the, you know, the social message. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say I want The Shape of Water to win okay. because what a bizarre idea for a movie, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, accomplished yet very out-of-the-box director and storyteller in Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, so yeah. I'm really re- rooting for that. Uh, the movie I don't want to win, uh, I'm, you know, we're, we're shitting all over the post. <laughs> allow, allow me to just shit all over Lady Bird. I've, okay. I've said this to you since we watched the trailer together three months ago. Uh, and uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I'll quote John Beard, I think his name was, uh, the guy from Big. I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, so I don't get it. I've seen um, half about half of these movies. Okay, and I can give it a quick hitter. The one I haven't seen yet that I'm most excited to see is Phantom Thread. Uh, I'm not going to see The Post. I also really want to see Three Billboards because it's the favorite right now. Everyone thinks it's going to win, so I'm kind of into that. We're, we all kind of said we were into Phantom Thread, but can anyone see that actually winning? No, no. no talk about uh, so it's it's too weird. So and also not having seen it yet, I don't really know. So other ones I've seen though, Get Out is great. It was my favorite. Um, Dunkirk is stressful. If you want to be stressed for two hours, watch this movie. It's like a horror movie where the where the where the the horror is war. Uh, then, yeah. Here's uh, the thing: if you're gonna pick a horror movie, though, having invading Nazis in World War II, that's a good villain. That's a good. That's a good bad guy. They're they're, they're, they're bad. Yeah. And guess what? Guess what? A bad guy you finally can't sympathize with. Fucking Nazis. There you go. Uh, shape of, Shape of Water. Um, I will say it's right what it says on the tin. It, they say they this, the trailer. They say to you, hey, this is a, a uh, this is a very serious Cold War thriller about a love romance between a mute and a fish man, and it's it is that, and they don't shy away from it. <laughs> um, and then and then Lady Bird. Um, I liked it. It's a heartwarming movie. It's good, but I would rank it last among the ones I've seen. Uh, it's not. It's not anything I it's feel like. It's not for I, you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it was good. It's a good movie. It, it's not that Maybe. good. Uh, so, it, I don't know. All right, so that's that's it. That's my that's my hot takes on uh, on Best Picture. Uh, Darkest Hour. Oh, Darkest Hour. Let me, let me give you my hot take on Darkest Hour. I'm not really interested in seeing it. I'm going to see it. But I hate things like this where it's like, Gary Oldman put himself through so much and he's done so many things. We got to give him lead actor. Like, like, do we no. really? Do we really have to do that, or can we like just give it to to Daniel Day Lewis or Daniel Kaluuya? Like, I don't know. That that's can that's we look at an individual opinion. performance within the confines of the movie? Yes, right. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. It was Same like with, when everyone was giving Tom Hanks like Tom Hanks starved himself for a year and a half to look like a real castaway, and you're like, okay, but let's take a look at the acting. Now in that movie, granted, his co-star was a friggin' volleyball, so you got to carry the load on that. But yeah, but you know, I think there's also an enjoyability factor. If if you enjoyed the performance, if you enjoyed the movie, you can say something is a great performance and still not enjoy it. And that's when I think that you can say like, hey, that's a nomination. Oh, you're sure, not going to win. Willem Dafoe too, Florida Project. That, that's another thing too, where I think the guy's just getting an award because they think that it's his time to get an award. 
But if I'm being honest, my favorite supporting performance this year wasn't even nominated. Doug Jones in The Shape of Water as the fish man. I mean, that's like all body acting, and I don't know if anyone else could have done that. It was like pretty pretty awesome, the stuff that he was doing in that weird costume that they made him wear. Oh, uh, you haven't seen Three Billboards yet, but but my man Woody... I'm, yeah, I'm that, su- that guy, a lot that of people guy are surprised that he, How was uh, he Sam Rockwell in that movie? Sam Rockwell. Cause, good. Because Sam Rockwell is a really good actor, and I want to... He was good. I Woody Harrelson stole every scene he was in huh. in that movie. Um, other interesting things, uh, there's just lots of lots of technical award love for Baby Driver and uh, Blade Runner and Star Wars The Last Jedi, a movie everyone seems to hate, but we like. <laughs> the people <laughs> in this room all kind of like it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of interesting to me. All right, well, that's it. That's our little uh, Oscar nominations uh, review. It was a lot quicker than the movie. Trust me, it was a lot quicker than the movie we would have talked about. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, I'm Nathan Santos. Send us your Oscar Oscar picks, and we'll see you next week. Send us your Academy Awards picks. Go Hawkskers. Oh, jeez. 10 out of 10 pun. I love you all. Bye.